Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we are reviewing Contagious by Jonah Berger. How to build word of mouth in the digital age. Mate, I like this one. It's uh, six steps. Uh, in fact, the, the thing is called STEPS, the acronym. And it's about spreading the word, you know, social transmission, word of mouth. How do you create a, a product or a service or a behavior that catches on that people talk about and tell other people about? So if you really think about it, why things actually catch on you know one reason you might think some products and ideas become popular because they're just plain better that makes sense man we'd like to use websites that are easier to use we take medicine that's more effective and we listen to scientific theories that are most true yeah exactly we go for the bigger the lighter the flat screen tvs um rather than the old shitty you know huge tvs and so forth so anything that's better we would genuinely uh, attract to more you'd think that makes a lot of sense man and another reason is attractive pricing so not surprisingly people would rather pay less than pay more mm. another one is advertising so advertising it plays a role because consumers need to know about it in the first place don't they yeah of course but there's a big but at the end of that 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 means then the best product at the most attractive pricing with the most advertising should win but we know that that's not always the case. No. They're not necessarily the types of products that go viral. And viral, he says, like like a disease, you know, catching on from one person to another. The real key is social transmission, this word mm-hmm. of mouth, people telling other people. So those first three we said, that was just basically a setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not true. They're not it. it. It comes to, if you want your thing uh, or any idea or anything like that to go viral, it all comes down to word of mouth, really. That's what he's saying. Exactly. He says, firstly, word of mouth is frequent in that people share, on average, 16,000 words per day, both you know, from voice and from in text, you know, on social media or in emails and stuff. And it's also important uh, in that there's every hour, there's 100 million conversations about brands around the world and about products and about companies. Mm. And if you think about it, if some, if a brand tries and advertise a certain product on you or say, you know, a book or something like that, yeah. compare that to having a coffee with a mate yes. and he th- says, all right, this book is just for you. You mm. have to buy it. Exactly. Obviously, you're going to uh, take the social, the word of mouth yeah, before definitely. anything else, aren't you? It's much more persuasive coming from someone trusted. And it's also more targeted because uh, I'm going to pick the person who I'm going to tell is based on what I think they're going to like rather than just say an advertising campaign that 100 million people see and really only a 1,000 of those people are the right target. Whereas one-to-one, people are going to only tell people that it's targeted. You're not distracted at all by Charlie? <laughs> no, not at all. So yeah, just right now, uh, Ash Joe is just getting plummeted by his dog, Charlie, <laughs> which is quite interesting. But anyway, so this is what the... It <laughs> sounds very bad if people don't have a visual of that. <laughs> Not full plummeted, but, but that's, the whole idea. <laughs> that's the whole idea of the book, right? So social, the word of mouth is the key for anything to really spread. And this book really breaks it down into a structured process so you can understand actually how to optimize for word of mouth. So whatever you want to your thing... Uh, to spread like a big bad disease yeah he's got six things and the acronym spells out steps s-t-e-p-p-s so a double p there in steps and the first principle is s social currency mm, exactly so social currency being how do people look when they tell you something so when i tell astro uh i did x y and z on the weekend i'm telling him about x y and z and not all the other things just because i want to feel 
look, I look good in front of other people. Yes. So you only tell them the shit that makes you look good. You don't tell them yes. about, you know, the, the on the weekend when you got rejected by 12 people <laughs> and, and uh, you've got uh, fail, three failed job applications yep. and so forth. You only tell them a bit of the highlights to make you look good. Yeah, exactly. You say, oh, I went... I went to the gym or I went to this really cool new bar or things like that. So, you tell people based on how it makes you look. Uh, and one of the the big things he says is secrets. If something's meant to be a secret, it's not going to stay a secret for long. <laughs> people like to spread secrets because it makes you look good for knowing that secret in the first place. Yeah, you kind of look like an insider that you know everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, word of mouth is a prime tool for making a good impression. So, it's as potent as a new car or a Prada handbag, but it's like a, he's saying it's like kind of a currency. Mm. A social currency is just um, the ideas that you spread. It makes you look more valuable uh, around the world. Yeah, 100%. Now, he says there's three things that we can build into our product or service or behavior or video, whatever it is. We can build these three things in that make it uh, give people more social currency. And the first one is inner remarkability. Now, we've talked about you know being remarkable the book Purple Cow is all about being remarkable. And, you know, remarkability, obviously, meaning people want to remark about it. People want to tell other people about it. It's just a, building something innate into the product or service or behavior that makes it remarkable. Exactly. So, if you're going to share something with someone, you're not going to share something that's mundane and boring than every day. You need to share something that is actually remarkable. Mm. And, you know, a brief synopsis to that whole uh, Purple Cow idea is, you know, if you were driving down the countryside and you saw a whole bunch of brown cows, brown cows, brown cows, you're not going to tell anyone about yeah. it. But if a purple cow popped up, <laughs> fuck, oh, it's a purple cow, oh, shit, oh, Johnny. Hey, hey. You know, <laughs> all of a sudden, cool. you're telling everyone you saw a purple cow because you don't see a purple cow every day, do you? Not, mate, not at all. That's very remarkable. Uh, one story he tells us is, you know, imagine you're, it's a hot, hot summer's day, you've been playing basketball, you're a bit sweaty, you're a bit hot and you want something refreshing. So, you go find a pink lemonade Snapple. Um, mm. They don't have that in Oz, but it sounds delicious. What is a Snapple? I think it's just a brand of brand of uh, beverage. Okay. But so, then you pop open the top, you get that you know nice refreshing taste of the pink lemonade Snapple, but then you see on the inside of the cap, real fact number 27, a ball of glass will bounce higher than a ball of rubber. Mm. You think, what? that? How does that, uh, you know, glass would just smash. Rubber is very bouncy, but that's... Mate, it's a real fact. It's 100%. a remarkable one. I'd, I'd tell you if I found that out, I'd probably tell you. Oh, absolutely. And I'd ask you, where did you find that yeah. out? <laughs> and I'd say, mate, Snapple. Snapple. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Mate. So, because so, it was remarkable, uh, it's because I thought, you know, this is a really cool fact. I'm going to tell it because it makes me look good for knowing it. And it's innately tied to Snapple then. Exactly. And not in this case of Snapple, but usually when we retell a story that is remarkable or something, this is something to include, uh, we always tend to add a little bit of salt and pepper on yes. everything. So, you know, if you went fishing and you actually caught a one kilogram fish, all of a sudden you turn into like oh, yeah. a four kilogram yeah. marlin getting pulled off the boat, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. You caught a shark, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, definitely. And it makes us, it makes us look better. Uh, and so, that's remarkability, the first one. The second one he says is leveraging game mechanics. So, if you can build some kind of game mechanism into it, so a couple of more obvious examples would be like frequent flyer programs or like different levels of, of credit cards and stuff where the more you fly, the higher points you get. Exactly. So, if you get the platinum gold member um, diamond card or yeah. something like that, <laughs> yeah. you obviously do have a little bit more social currency because they've leveraged this game mechanics. You've hit a level of debt 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. And you've won the game, so you get yeah. the gold. Exactly. So one, say if you're in a frequent fly program and you you are the the master level gold emperor, <laughs> and you get to board lost the plane, you, lost your uh, lost your kids, lost <laughs> yeah. your wife. <laughs> but it's good though. It's good. You got a and gold so credit card. <laughs> you might get to you might get to board the plane first, and he says that. Whilst board, you know, you've won this this game, you've got enough points to be able to board the plane first. But he says that yes, it's good to board the plane one minute early, but the real benefit is boarding before everybody else. Mm. So it's like that social thing of you being better than everybody else, and obviously that's that social currency of you being better. Another one, number three, is making people feel like insiders. And that's so if people feel like they're insiders, they're again social currency. It makes them better than everybody else yeah. <laughs> it makes them want to it makes them want to tell other people hey i i was i'm a, an insider of this product or this company um and they they talk about it yeah absolutely so that's sick man i really like that one the first one being uh social currency you know we only care about what other people think so yeah uh, when you're making your products and your look or an idea or anything you're trying to spread really think about how the recipient is going to feel when they tell other people. So yes. we want them to feel like absolute superstars. And that's yep. the goal of social currency. That is great, man. The, the next one is triggers. And he sets us up by saying, which product would be spoken about more, Cheerios or Disney World? And my, you'd obviously think Disney World is phenomenal. It's one of those really you know high energy, high emotion things where Disney World's sick. People love telling people that they went to Disney World. But he says Cheerios wins out. Exactly. And he's got a few uh, a few stories in this regard. And as you said, you might think it'd be Disney World, but the whole reason Cheerios is every morning you wake yeah. up, you have breakfast, and there's a big portion of the population when they have breakfast, something pops up in their head and it's Cheerios. Yeah. So you're always reminded of uh, the morning, reminds you of Cheerios. That's why it gets yeah. remarked about a lot more. Because how often are you going to think about Disney World? It's probably only when you've got a holiday coming up or somebody else has got a holiday coming up, whereas Cheerios is, is every day. An interesting story here was how about uh, about Mars. Back in 1997, the Mars Corporation uh, realized all their sales have started to go way up, and they're like, "Shit, what the hell? What the hell's going on?" And it turns out in 1997, NASA's Pathfinder mission happened. So the mission of Pathfinder was to go and collect samples from Mars, and the undertaking took years of prep and millions in funding, but. The whole world population was really excited about Mars at the moment because of this mission and every time this mission was talked about at your coffee shops and all that, at the same time, Mars was triggered yeah. and Mars bars yeah. was triggered and they went out and bought more Mars bars. Even though Mars bars got nothing to do with the planet Mars, it was named after Franklin Mars, the dude who made Mars bars, just the association, just that trigger, oh, everyone, the news, oh, the, the Pathfinder's on its way to Mars. I'll get a Mars bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, another good story here, man, which is really, really illuminating for me was remember that stinker of a song, it's Friday, Friday, Friday. <laughs> you know that one? It's, uh, it wasn't a stinker. It was a bloody... Mate, it was a, it was a stinker. But I think Rebecca got, Black Friday. Was oh, a, it was a stinker. Yeah. We've got absolute clarity now that why this actually spread. And similar to the Mars bar story, uh, the whole idea of this song spreading was because everyone has a Friday yeah. every week. Yeah. And when they thought of Friday, you know, oh, that song, it's Friday, 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 got to get down on Friday. Yeah. So it popped up <laughs> into their head and then they spread that and showed it. They had a chart of the, the downloads of Fridays and it's pretty much flat on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then a massive spike on Friday. <laughs> so it's obviously that Friday is the trigger to 
play Rebecca Black's Friday and share that with people. Definitely. I'm not going to lie, man. That's still every now and then if some words kind of someone's getting excited about a Friday, every now and then that still <laughs> kind of triggers in my brain and I start thinking about that shit song. <laughs> it's a good trigger. So they even said here, like Rebecca Black, she was, you know, their parents just paid, uh, you know, 30 or 40 grand to a record label made that song and then all of a sudden she had one of the biggest hit singles of the last decade. Now, if you look at the lyrics, it's an absolute stinker. Um, Thanks, thank- mate. You come back. <laughs> come back to life. Mate, the, the lyrics do not make sense. It's, it doesn't deserve to be that popular, but it was just because it was that trigger. So right now, let's, th- let's just break it down into uh, making an effective trigger by Joda Berger. So you got to think about the environment of the people that of the message you're trying to trigger. Yeah. And that's the thing we can actually try and uh, reverse engineer and design for. Yeah. So, an important thing in making a trigger is frequency. So, how often it happens. So, obviously, breakfast happens every single day. Friday happens every single week, whereas Christmas is only once a year. So, that will be a tougher thing to trigger with Christmas because it's much less frequent. Mm. Another one is strength. So, you want it to be more associated with the thing you're spreading. Mm. So, if you think the color red, you might think red's a a trigger because red's everywhere and it'll make you think of your products. Yeah. But red, because it's everywhere, yeah. it, the, the trees spread out over a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And you compare that to, say, peanut butter and jelly, these two things are mixed. Or, uh, you know, there's another quick story they have in the book about uh, Kit Kat and break. So when you have a break, Kit Kat. So yeah. they use that as a marketing ploy as well. Yeah, exactly. Much stronger than trying to have something more broad that applies to everything. Another one is geographical context. So, Different things will have different impacts in different places like say New York and pizza is much more strongly linked or in in Oz there was an ad about footy pie, footy pie, footy pie. So then when you go to the footy, you get a pie. Whereas in uh, in the US, I'm sure if you said let's go to the footy, people wouldn't instantly think let's go get a pie as well. Mm. Yeah, thinking about that footy pie, that's a great one. <laughs> people were yabbling on about that for ages and that really spread. Another one is temporal context. So being time. Yeah, and the time obviously, whether it's, breakfast friday some of those things that we talked about that so they're the four things in building a, a tree you want it obviously as frequent as possible you want it to be strongly linked you want it to make sense geographically and then also be linked to time as well chapter three is emotion so the way he measured emotion was they used an email list so they uh, sent out a, a whole bunch of emails with different articles that really invoke different emotions in people and quite interestingly, what they found to be the most spread out of all the articles they sent were science articles. Mm. And if we look at all the other the other things we've talked about before, you've got triggers, not many things in our environment talk mm. triggers about quantum mechanics or the universe or anything like that. And in terms of social proof, if you spread that, that really makes you look like a bit of a geek. <laughs> so there's no social proof either in that. But actually what was the biggest trigger for you to share this was the actually the emotion in, involved and in this case it was actually awe yeah and obviously just this wonder and amazement of some massive new scientific discovery or something in the in the universe that you didn't know before so that emotion of awe they found that sadness um, articles that had some kind of invoked sadness were 16% less effective so they thought, they thought maybe negative emotions aren't as good but then they found that happiness wasn't didn't fare any better either so positive emotions wasn't the answer what it really was is not the difference between negative and positive but the difference between arousal so low arousal like like sadness and contentedness didn't get shared but high arousal like anger or excitement 
did get shared. So if someone's just lying down on the couch with a very low heart rate and very passive, they're not going to share a hell of a lot in that case. But if they're really up and about, they're much more likely to share when your heart rate's up and about and you're moving on. Yeah. But it's also that like uh, something like that, like anger gets you really fired up or excitement gets you really fired up. Whereas happiness or sadness is something you might think, oh, that makes me happy, but it's not something that you're going to then share. Whereas anger or anxiety or um, laughter, like funniness is things that you share. So if you want to use this, tr- uh, this we'll call, we can call it a weapon. Yeah, call it a weapon. <laughs> call it a weapon uh, of, uh, of, of uh, word of mouth. Then you need to think about how are we going to get them aroused. So don't think yeah. about uh, if you're thinking positive, get them uh, in the sense of awe or excitement yes. and not so much as contentment. Yeah. Or you can let them get angry and anxiety and so forth. So get their heart rate yeah. up and pumping. So if you think about Tony Robbins where he's used this beautifully, his whole seminars are all about getting in state, in state, and then everyone's heart rates are really at record levels and then they really spend record levels that they've really spent, <laughs> spent on seminars in the past as well. <laughs> Mate, he's charging eight grand. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to do that if you're just sitting on your ass or passive in your seat, are you? You're not wrong, mate. You're absolutely not wrong. Make you move. <laughs> principle, <laughs> principle four is public. Mm-hmm, yeah. And he says it, if it's built to show, it's built to grow. So, if you want your thing to grow, show. Mate, that triggers my brain of something else. Other things, if you show, then they, they grow, yeah. He's got an example here, all right? If, if you're on a holiday... You're walking down the street, you're looking for somewhere to eat for dinner. You generally pick the one that's full, not, yeah. not the empty. The one that's empty, <laughs> you don't go there. You go the one that's full and you're waiting an hour to get in line. Yeah, correct. If there's just the chef with his singlet on, he's hairy and sweaty and no customers, and it's probably a good sign that it's not where you want to be eating your dinner for the night. Yeah, so public can be thought of as another uh, weapon of influence from Saudi <laughs> of uh, social proof as well. Right? S- similar kind of idea. Very similar, very similar. Um, one example to highlight how strong this uh, idea of social proof is, is about kidney donations. He says there's 100,000 people on the kidney donor list who are wanting... A kidney because they've got you know t- a disease kidney disease that is incurable they need a replacement kidney four thousand people every month added to this list and the list is managed on a first come first serve so the person who's been waiting at the longest at the top of the list when a kidney comes they get it first you'd think okay if, if the doc comes to you and said hey mate you've been waiting on this list uh you're pretty much cooked Here's a kidney for you. You take it. You take the kidney. But he said there's, there's a 97.1% rejection rate of people rejecting kidneys. Now, there's a fair chunk of that is that it's like it's not a match. You're the wrong blood type. But what the issue comes is when it gets down to number 200 on the list, they reject it even if it is a match because they think, well, 200 other people have rejected this kidney. What's wrong with it? <laughs> yeah. So, that's, man, that's crazy. Perfectly good kidneys. And I think that story would be applicable you know, back to the restaurant as well. I'm sure there is perfectly good restaurants out there that there's just no one in there yeah. is the reason no one gets in there even yeah. though they would get an incredible food and I guarantee impeccable service. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get their own waiter, their own chef. <laughs> the whole lot is personalized. I like it. <laughs> Another story they got here is Movember and this started in Australia like we're from Australia so I don't know how far this is spread around the world. I think it's spread, yeah. It has. Surprisingly, I, I thought it was just the Australia thing, but it sounds like from the book it spread, yeah. Interestingly enough, so, you know, this was started by a group of uh, boys from Melbourne one day just having a barbecue about 10 years ago 
and they saw there's like a lot of, uh, you know, fundraising for females, uh, breast cancer and so forth, which is fantastic. They thought about what about blokes as well. So, you know, more bloke-specific fundraising. So then they thought of the idea of Movember. It was kind of on a whim, thinking nothing's going to come of it. And they thought they're going to grow a mo, yep. a moustache. <laughs> and as they're growing a moustache, they'll try and raise money. Yeah, that's it. On November 1st, you're clean shaven and you got to try and grow the, the best mo you can in, in the 30 days before the end of November. And as you say, raise money along the way. And it just it's grown and grown and grown. It started with three blokes and... And then the next year there was 10. And then obviously because it is public, people see this dude who's never had a mow before on November 20 has got a filthy, filthy mow. And people say, what's going on here? And because it's public, everyone can see it and it catches on. And there's a little bit of remarkability in there as well. And Definitely. Um, it's just a bit weird and odd and different. And you're going to ask. There's going to be this awkward little moment at the start. But then when you get more comfortable, you can ask, mate, what? What are you doing with your mo? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> and then it spreads. Yeah, exactly. And so something like a mo is public. Something like a big long line at the front of your restaurant that is public. But if you think about some other like behaviours or services, it's hard to make them public. So what Jonah says you need is some kind of behaviour residue. So a couple of good examples is uh, the yellow Livestrong wristbands. This is going back ten years, but. When you donate to charity and you've got a yellow wristband. So the wristband was a behavior, the residue of the behavior of donating to charity. Or in the US, like Australia, we've got compulsory voting, but in the US, you don't have to vote. And when people vote, they get an I voted sticker. So it's a behavioral residue of making it public that you voted when people wouldn't know otherwise. Exactly. And there's uh, in both of them, you could weave in a little bit of uh, social currency Definitely. in there as well. Definitely. And it can work both ways, man. So so there's another example here uh, where it went the wrong way and this is by the music industry. So they said only 37% of music acquired by US consumers was paid for. Thinking, oh, these 37%, they're assholes. But everyone else is like, oh, shit, you must be an idiot to pay for music. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Everyone's stealing it. This must be a thing to do. They thought it was this underground thing. You know, there's all these illegal downloads. So they thought we're going to stop it by making public that nobody's paying for music. But they had the unintended consequence of when everybody knew that no one's paying for it, then nobody paid for it. Because yeah. if everyone's doing it, then no one's going to pay for it anymore. So that's public, man. A little bit like social proof. If you can see that other people are doing it and it's more visible and it's out there and it's been adopted, then you are more likely to do it and then spread this message yep. as well. Bang on. The fifth principle is practical value. And in short, people like to pass along useful information, things that other people are going to get benefit out of. Mm, yeah, I, I'm not going to... Um, put icing on it mate this was a stinker of a chapter it was a great <laughs> it's, it's a great lesson but practical value it's just one of those things that are you know it's quite self-explanatory but it took him 12 pages of stories just to make this the way to this chapter be similar to all the others well man i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it's a one back liner here. i'm gonna bring it back here there was a, i thought there was a bloody good he calls the rule of a hundred and so if you think people are bombarding yeah everyone's bombarded with deals of of sales, you know, this percent off this or this many dollars off this. And he said the rule of 100 uh, is, I found really, I thought, it was, I thought it was great. And the rule is that, you know, should you give a percentage discount or should you give a dollar discount? And he says that if your uh, product is selling for less than $100, you should represent it as a percentage. So if it was 80 and it's now 60, then 25% off sounds better than $20 off. He says if it's more than... Uh, more than $100, you should use a dollar amount. So if it's a set of golf clubs was 1500 bucks, 
rather than saying 10% off, you'd say $150 off. So he says that if it's less than 100, represent it as a percentage. If it's more than 100, represent it as a dollar value. I thought that was a, that's a good solid takeaway. Yeah, it is. So he says if social currency is about information senders, so that's um, about themselves, then practical value is all about the other person where you, like you kind of alluded to at the start with the book idea, where you're actually trying to help the other person yes. and uh, add value to their lives. That's it. He says the news you can use. Practic- uh, principle six, mate, stories. You love your stories. They've just been popping up in a lot of books recently. Yeah. And the first story and concept he brings up in this chapter is the idea of the Trojan horse. So when the Trojans were fighting the Greeks for a decade, they couldn't really break down the Greeks' walls at all. So they left this Trojan horse just on the front saying, you guys are superstars, take our gift. Yeah. And then when they wheeled the Trojan horse in at night, the Trojans came out and wreaked absolute havoc yeah. and got the city back on their terms. Now, he's trying to apply this concept of the Trojan horse in terms of stories here. Yeah, and it is, it is saying that stories are a Trojan horse that we aren't really recognizing the fact that we're learning something or spreading the message, but we really are. Like say, an example is like the three little pigs. We think it's just a story. If you build your house out of sticks or straw and you just rush it and then go and party, it's not going to work out well for the you in the end. But if you build it out of bricks, a lot of effort up front pays off in the long run. So it's just like a, a cheeky story, the Trojan horse of an enjoyable story, but there's a lesson at the end of it. Yes, it's got a lot of information in it. So mm. he's saying a simple story can pack uh, layers and layers of information because this is actually how our brain is wired to really perceive the world. Uh, there's a lot of almost infinite information out there and we use stories to just really break it down and simplify everything that's going on. If you think about how else we can learn, it's either by doing it ourselves like a lot of a long series of trial and error or by direct observation or from stories so he says that say like a, a simple story rather than you going to the mechanic and getting screwed if somebody else says oh man i went to that mechanic and he screwed me you're not going to go there so that one story of saying somebody passing on that message in the form of a story of what happened with their car means you're not going to make the same mistakes that they did yeah there's a lot of information trapped in that you think that person's completely untrustworthy they rip people off and, and so forth. So, yeah, that's how that works. So, that's, uh, that's on the flip side of that, if you go down the route of giving absolutely outstanding customer service and going overboard and spending more than maybe what you earn from the customer and so forth, you might think, you know, because you spent more, you've lost money, but really, you might have given that customer a story to give everyone else and mm. the stories that person's going to spread out contains a lot of the, the right information that you, you would like to be spread. Bang on, man. That's contagious. And that's about the spreading the word. It's obviously, this is definitely how things grow, how things spread. You know, we talk about, say, crossing the chasm, the diffusion of innovations. We're saying that you need to cross the chasm and the way to do that, Purple Cow says, is by word of mouth, by being remarkable, by spreading the word by being contagious and that's what this book is all about so in a nutshell the six were social currency triggers emotion public practical value and stories so quite interesting stuff definitely man the i reckon my favorite was social currency and that we share the things that make us look good so if you think about what stories do you tell people what things do you share with others you do the ones that make you look good in whatever way that is i like mm-hmm. i thought that was a good take on it yeah so it's a really good book there's some good takeaways um you know, another one of those ones with maybe a uh, hundred page more than it needed to be. It could have been an incredible sixty-page book with some great takeaways and been dense learning experience, but he went the the fat way, didn't he? 
<laughs> it was. I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I'd say if it was if it was sixty pages, mate, this would be an absolute top notch book. At two hundred pages, it's a it's a it's a bloody good book. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good book. So yeah, go out there and get it. That's it, mate. We've just uh, spread the word of the contagious. Woo. And along those lines, if uh, there was anything specific in this episode that you learnt, or maybe the the factoid about the the glass ball, tell someone with practical value. And if they ask where you heard it, what you will learn. And hopefully, there's a little bit of social currency in there uh, and that you hopefully we we make you look good if you share this podcast <laughs>